Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I am Bill Arnold, and today I've, like always, I've got a wonderful show planned just for you. So thank you for tuning in, whether you're doing it in your car or maybe you're already home or maybe you've got your smartphone when you've got the app already open and you're listening to us just like that. We're glad you're glad you're with us. So Patrick Albanese is the way I like to get my Monday started, and he's remarkably available on Monday at this time, so I continue to call him. <laughs> and he is my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa and the prestigious town of West Des Moines. Patrick, hi. I, I, I should just put it on the calendar and just expect to be here, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, I call you every Monday. You can do the show, you can do the show, and you say yes, so... You know, you're... I think that 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 three fifty five call I've come to expect it. <laughs> <laughs> a little panicked. So la- last yeah. week I challenged you to see if you could learn and memorize the names of the twelve apostles. Now one week later, I thought it's worth five minutes to say, "Did you get them down? Were you able to remember uh, them? Maybe you yeah, haven't I've... thought about them in a week." So this is good. I have, and by the way, and this is an old memory trick. It was a thing. Um, I think they called it the pinball machine effect. That uh, the way that your your memory works is, you need to go longer and longer periods uh, between recalling the information. So, say that you know your first pass through, you come up with a system like the mnemonics for the apostles, and then you should probably review them in say an hour. Okay. Uh, and it's like so. It's like hitting that pinball up, back up into the machine, back into play, because uh, it's it. That's just as that ball is about to go, where it's out of play. It's it's the way your memory works. Saying, you know what? I don't think this is stuff that we need to really remember, so we can file this deep, deep in the abyss of this guy's brain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so you 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 I, paddle it back up into the playing field. Yeah, and then, I, and then maybe the next recollection recollection might be more hours later or a day later, and then so we didn't. We've gone a whole week. We've gone a week now. I don't I don't know if you've thought about it over the course of a week or not. Have you? I, I did not. Okay, I did not. I'll All be, right, I'll, I'll be honest. So we not, that I'm not. We will know. see just how good your memory is. Now I you, know, I you might have to talk me through the body parts. So I will. Have to, like I yeah, will. Okay, we'll see how All you right. do. Okay. All right. There's no okay. uh, uh, prize of any kind if if you get all well, I'm out. twelve. <laughs> <laughs> but I will uh, take you from top uh, of the head down, and we'll we'll see what happens along the way. All right. Let's start okay. with the very top of the head, where we would come up against the skull. That'd be the first ah, area that yes. we're we're hitting. Who is connected to the skull? Well, that that's Peter the Rock, because you know. Uh, you were either, uh, if you were a kid, you were either told by your parents you have a head as hard as a rock or full of rocks. <laughs> okay, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good reminder. Uh, All right, then we get yeah. past the, the skull to the brain, and who did we say that was? Uh, we said it was Matthew. Nice. Because he was kind of the brainiac. He was good at math, Hugh. Math, Hugh, <laughs> right. And that happens in the brain. Yeah, he was an accountant, right? <laughs> yeah, he was. Yeah, he was a tax collector, so he yeah, was a numbers he was guy. Appropriately named. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
It was Matthew. Okay. All right. All right. Now let's uh, go down to, we'll skip the eyes and go right to the nose. Remember, we had two. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Yes, it was the twin, uh, the, the twin sons of thunder, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but we said there was two uh, nostrils, and sometimes when uh, someone blows their nose real hard, it sounds like a little bit of thunder, right? Yes, yeah, so, uh, and these were brothers, yep. uh, James and John. James I know and there's John. a couple of J names in there, it's got to be James and John, you, you always yes. go with the, uh, you know. Yes. Uh, whatever now, the churches were named in your town, as long as St. James. <laughs> yeah, now as we are descending yeah. down the face, just as a reminder, we're not going to take too much time with this, but you, you yeah. hit that little area between the nose and Philip, the lip. Philip, 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 yeah, say no more, say, say no more. Say that no one more. That easy to remember. Yeah, yeah because that Philip. area is called the... Filtrum. 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 That's right. It's harder, to, it's harder to remember the mnemonic than the name. <laughs> well, just okay. go down yeah. your face. Just go down yeah. your face and go, yeah. okay, just what was up. next? Because after the filtrum, we had the mouth. mouth and what? Simon says. Simon says. Right. Simon says. That's easy. All right. Anything else yeah. related to the mouth okay. that you remember? Uh, who who represents the teeth? Let's see. No, no, <laughs> no. 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 Uh, what happens when you go to the doctor? Was, I knew that there was the tongue, the tongue, the tongue, the tongue. Stick out your okay, tongue so and say, ah. The tongue depressor, 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 depressor. Uh, 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 James the lesser, the tongue depressor, fancy dresser. <laughs> Good job. Good job. I okay. feel like I should buy you a present of some kind, a little prize. Yeah. All right. Now we uh, a move, tongue depressor. Just we, send me because that's the one that's hard to remember. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Now from the that we go to the the neck. What do you got for neck? Uh, uh, Bartholomew. I, because this was, I know you you created this uh, mnemonic on your own, and I I thought it's really great. Except I really am not buying the whole neck Thaniel thing. <laughs> it made it stuck. It, made it, it did stick I though, just, didn't I said, it? I, I, I go. I go. Neck Thaniel. Yeah, which is also Bartholomew. Who's going to remember that? Well, because it was so ridiculous, I remember it. Yeah, Nathaniel. Yeah, Bartholomew. Ridiculous yep. helps. All right, now we're going to scoot down uh, to our lungs. So, what happens when you uh, when you use your lungs? What happens? Because it's now the time to and oh, right. draw draw breath draw and draw breath. breath. Yeah. All right, and there draw, you go. Andrew, Andrew, Andrew. Okay. All right, we're almost done. Yep. And then um, let's see, uh, right below that area where the lung is, is that, what is that? That gash, that thing, that gash in your side. Who wants to put their finger in that? Ew. Thomas, Thomas, Thomas. Okay. All right. All right. We're, we're coming around the corner here. We're, we're <laughs> rounding third, aren't we? <laughs> we're almost done. <laughs> and then we get to the belly button. And what happened in the belly button? What happened? What What was in the uh, belly button? There was a... The, that it was a beetle. It was a beetle. Uh, it was Jude. a beetle in the belly hey, button. Hey, Jude. Yes. Also known as Thaddeus, which yes. was the original name of the song, but they couldn't find any rhyme for Hey, Thaddeus. <laughs> so they said, let's just go with Jude. I'm embarrassed I'm laughing at that, but yeah, that is kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. And then the, 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 the apostle that needs no introduction whatsoever. Judas. Yeah. Right. It's like if you ever name, yeah. name the president, you, well, the first person you think of is George Washington or Lincoln. I mean... Always yeah. makes it easy. I, I, it does make it a little bit easier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you always have to ask for a few more. Can you? You know. Remember when you could you memorize like every president and their vice president. Oh sure. Every state in the capital. I mean, how much of that is left? It's in the brain somewhere. It's in there somewhere. But, yeah. It's um, just recall. 
So, all right, yeah. let's let's move on. Yeah. Uh, not that I want to turn this into a, a, a memory exercise when I talk to you, but let, let's talk about the 12 days of Christmas because there is a, a way of easily remembering some great Christian concepts in the 12 days of Christmas because most people understand that the uh, partridge in the pear tree was is representing Jesus, right? What about the two turtle doves? Uh, Do you have any I, idea what that is largely representing? Well, uh, certainly a mess. It's certainly <laughs> a messy carpet. Yes, yes, especially you for that, do not that, want that statue in Town Hall, right? Yeah. But they, now, the partridge, did it come with the pear tree? or was, I don't know if because it came with. I'm running out of places to put all these gifts. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So you might about, have just been the partridge. Okay, partridge. All right. Partridge. How about the, uh, the two turtle doves? What does that represent? Do you know? Uh, well, anything that there's two of. Okay, I uh, take a guess. Two... Old and New Testament. I don't. The, the Old and New Testament. Yeah, that's just a way of remembering the Old and New Testament. Three French hens. Uh, I'll give you this one because this would might be a, a stretch, but yeah. faith, hope, and charity, which are great theological yeah. virtues. All right, how about the four calling birds? That's what they represent. Okay. Yeah, four calling birds. I don't even know what a calling bird is. Well, I don't either. Yeah, doesn't mean we're not going to talk bird? about it. Uh, Who knows? Well, no. Uh, by the way, you know, whoever the recipient of these gifts is, at this point, is saying, "Enough with the birds." <laughs> I've, got a, <laughs> I've got a partridge, some turtle doves, a couple some of hens. French hens, and now you show up with four more more birds. birds. Yes. Yeah. What am I going to do with all these birds? Suddenly, I sound like a Hollywood agent. What am I going to do with these birds? Yeah. Uh, four calling birds. I, eh, let's, let's, okay, let's go. Gospels, maybe. Yeah, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The four gospels, and or the four, um, yeah, or evangelists. All right, five golden yeah. rings. Yeah. What would that be? The five golden rings. I'm looking at you, R- Rosie. Uh, Got a guess? Five golden yeah, please rings. Please look at Rosie. Yeah, Do not mm, look at me. Yeah, I'm, I'm buying going, you some time I'm here, going Patrick. Going to my lifeline. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, 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 I, don't. Uh, no. Five golden rings. Yep. All right. I'm done. Uh, the first five books of the Old Testament. Wow. Yeah. The first five books of the Old Testament. Wow. Yeah. Yep. What? Why? Okay. Do we know why? Uh, no, it's just a little device for remembering. Oh, that's Some, okay. Yeah, that's all. That's okay. all. Yeah. 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 Okay. How about uh, six geese a laying? <laughs> we're back to <laughs> We're back, back to, to birds. <laughs> well, that's, we're back to birds. Yeah. Right? It's, 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 it's getting pretty bird heavy. Yeah. It's, it's very bird heavy. Yeah. Uh, Six yeah, geese. I hope this person has an aviary area. I hope so too. Six geese, and they're and they're not just six geese. They're busy. They're laying eggs. Yeah. So well, give me a, is... what's you know? How about the six days of creation? You know. Ooh. Oh. Yeah, because the seventh like day that. he rested, right? So this. Well, not six... with the not with the gift that came on the seventh day. There's no way. <laughs> six. How geese... are you supposed to rest with seven swans? I have no yeah. idea. Okay. Seven geese so laying, laying. Just a reminder of the six days of creation. Seven swans a swimming. You're not. You're not going to get this one, so I'll give it to you. The I'm seven yeah, gifts of the Holy Spirit. The seven sacraments. Okay. I All right. like that. About eight. Like- eight maids a milking. Probably not going to get this. Please one tell. Please tell me there. There are not eight cows on the way. <laughs> no. No. There's not. Uh, eight maids a milking. So. Um, well, uh, let's see. Do, 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 do. What let's are there eight of? Let's go to the Sermon on the Mount. There's a, there's your hint. Ah, uh, uh, the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes. 
All right. The I beauties think. and the beatitudes. Yes. The nine nine yeah. ladies dancing. Well, they're just happy not to be milking. I yes. Think, those are the nine. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, the nine? Uh, nine fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Mm. Mm. All okay. right. Uh, That's a good one. Ten lords a-leaping. Ten is the hint. Ten commandments. All right, it's got to be go. ten commandments. Ten, right. ten is an easy, All right. uh, this, easier. This yeah. one will connect to our previous conversation. Eleven pipers piping. What would that be? <laughs> We've already talked about it a little bit earlier. We in, talked about well, there were twelve apostles. Yes, but yes. only eleven. But, there, but but if you take away the one that shall not be named, <laughs> <laughs> right? There were eleven faithful apostles, which is we get eleven yes. pipers piping, I, and twelve drummers drumming. You're not going to get this uh-huh. one, so I'll give it to you because we have to go to break anyway. The twelve points okay. of doctrine in the Apostles' Creed. There you go. All right, Patrick. Let's take a little that break. Is we'll be very back. Clever. It is. We'll be back yeah. with more. Patrick Albanese is my guest, my friend and colleague from the great state of Iowa. Be right back. Hi, this is Bill Arnold, and thank you for checking out the podcast. I'm always glad when you make your way over to MyFaithRadio.com and look through the menu of everything you can listen to, programs that have already aired that you might want to hear again, or maybe you have a friend or a family member in mind that would really be blessed by hearing something you heard, and then it gives you an opportunity to talk about it and share your faith with a loved one. It's one of the great things I love about the podcasting at Faith Radio. And we have a great fundraiser coming up, so I would love for you to say yes to that. You can text the word GIVE right now to 877-933-2484 or follow the link in the show notes to give your gift today. Connecting Faith to Life, Faith Radio. What would you do with a brain if you had one? Do? Why, if I had a brain, I could... I could while away the hours Conferring with the flowers Consulting with the rain and my head, I'd be scratching while my thoughts were busy hatching if I only had a brain. Oh, that song always makes me happy every Monday, as does my friend Patrick Albanese, uh, who is my guest. But if you listen to us on the Faith Radio app, uh, I encourage you to continue doing that. You can listen to Faith Radio live or on demand no matter where you go. You can download the free Faith Radio app in your app store today. And it is a great app, and it keeps you... Uh, abreast of what's going on at Faith Radio, all the shows. You can get the podcasts and, and all kinds of great stuff. Patrick, let me ask I, you. I love, by the way, do you have I, the I love how they came up. Oh, I'm sorry. I love how they came up with that phrase, on demand. You know, you used to, you, whenever you want, when they say, no, on demand, like you you look at your device and you go, I demand you give me. <laughs> <laughs> I demand, the Afternoon I with Bill Arnold this. Show right now. I demand it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you were about to ask a, a very poignant question. Well, the, point, sure. the poignant question was, have you personally, Patrick J. Albanese, downloaded the Faith Radio app yet on your phone? I have not. Oh, I don't want to hear the answer because to that. That's not the answer no, I was no, looking no. for. No, I just, I come on the show. <laughs> <laughs> I understand that, but there's other times you'd want to listen to it on demand. Well, you know what's, okay. So, it's not just that you download it. Because actually, it's on my phone somewhere. 
I lose track of apps. Okay. I, and I, I probably, if I get these, the, the notice from my phone that says you should update, you know, 107 apps <laughs> are now out of, need to be updated. And sometimes mm-hmm. the number is, I'm sad to say, that high. Mm-hmm. I have to almost shut my phone down. Uh, so what, who gets first page? Uh, like my wife will take uh, her apps and she puts them into these categories that I cannot understand. Oh, good point. And then the icons become they're they're like the size of a pinhead. Yes. So it'll say uh, you know productivity. Okay, I don't. What's a productivity app? And there's fifty in there. Wow. They go well. You must be very productive because <laughs> <laughs> you have fifty productivity apps. I have so many note-taking apps, I, I don't even, because uh, so, yeah, you try something. So uh, I would have Faith Radio. I just don't know where it is. Okay. Because I tend to I tend to put it on on the computer. Okay. Uh, and, of you course, you're on, the, on the air in Des Moines. I know we are. Yeah. Which is, you know, for the first couple of years, you were not. And now you are. Now you are. Yeah. Yeah. Which is where you live. The great state of Iowa. I, great state of Iowa. Yeah. yeah. Prestigious. It is prestigious. Uh, yeah. Because after well, yeah. 20 plus years of living in LA, you are, are in a very different environment because right now you've got the heat turned on in your house. Uh, yes, but I can afford a house. Which is lovely. <laughs> Which is lovely. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, sometimes when I, I was talking to a, a friend back there the other day and I said, uh, I said, well, you know, just, just so you know, my mortgage is half what my rent was there. Wow. So he's now in my living room on the floor. (laughs) (laughs) Got out here pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a lovely place to be. It is. I mean, there's nothing quite like uh, Midwestern people and and communities and values and all kinds of lovely, lovely people to live around and live with. Yeah. I I mean, it was... uh, you know, I, I had so many of those wonderful experiences. As you know, I moved here shortly after, not too long after becoming a Christian. And mm-hmm. even the church I picked, I, I, I picked it in my typical way. I said, let's go to this church. I'm pretty sure I'm not going to like it at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but it's so big that uh, nobody will see us sneak out. And, well, you know, 14 years later. Yeah. That was that was my thinking. I thought, well, what if I, if I don't like it, I want to go to a church that's so big, nobody will, you know, see me sneak out, right? Mm-hmm. Or see me leave and say, hey, who was that guy that was here? That was a new guy. They wouldn't notice a new guy when there's 5,000 people in the room. And then I discovered there was a reason why there were 5,000 people in the room. Mm-hmm. You know, and or 3,000. When yeah. you go into the church, do you hope somebody comes and greets you? Do you hope that someone tries to talk to you? Uh, or are you okay I, with that not happening? You know, it's funny, I, I do now, uh, only because this has become my church. But uh, for many years, as you know, I traveled and I went to different cities to perform, and then I would find a local church. And one of the reasons I picked large churches is I didn't want somebody to come up to me and, you know, give me, here's a picture frame, and you can put any kind of picture in there you want. And this is something from the church. Because uh, I'm only here for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to come to your church, and I would just love to worship here, uh, you know. But I, I can't become a member because I don't live here. Yeah. And so that's how I ended up often you choosing churches that were very large because I knew that they probably wouldn't notice the new guy in back. <laughs> um, yeah. So I moved here, and so let's just go to the biggest church we can find, and 
uh, we're not going to like it. Actually, there's more to that story. As you know, the first time I went, the uh, a woman flagged us down and said, wait, don't go. I said, oh, oh no, I'm being, I'm going to get a picture frame or a flower or a cookie or something. And uh, she brings the senior pastor over. And he says, hey, I love your show. I, I, I just, so I can't leave the church now because they know me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the way to get you to stay 14 years later. No, but it's, it's it, it, deliver the message. Yeah, it's a yeah. it's a mixed bag. Some people feel if they walk into a church and they're they're not greeted and and warmly um, invited to do something or to join a coffee or do something that they feel that they can't go back. And other people go, I kind of mm. like being able to slip in, check it out, and slip out. Yeah, which one are you? If you're if you're traveling, well, you want to slip in, slip out. I uh, yes, yes to both. I I love saying hi. I I love making. You know, small talk because I can I can do it. You can do it really well, but um, when you're in a, in a town for three or four weeks, um, you know it's it's okay just to slip in and worship and slip out. Mm-hmm. And it and it's uh, one of the things I loved about it is just seeing lots of different preaching styles. Mm-hmm. Uh, that uh, uh, and sometimes you'd be in a, a town and you'd say, "I wish I lived here mm-hmm. because this pastor speaks to me." Mm-hmm. I'm connecting on a, an amazing level with with how this pastor delivers the message. Yeah, um, those have always my, been my favorites, and uh, and I probably could find those churches again yeah. in various cities. Now you, you put a, a image in my head, a vision in my head of, of what happens when you uh, over um, decorate Christmas, and you've got a second tree outside on your front step, and I think what happens is very amusing. It's, it's my wife, you know, she wraps the pictures up on the wall as Christmas presents. And we have a Christmas tree in, I think, each of the bedrooms in the living room and out on the, the porch, which is too cold to visit. Uh, but she decided this year on a small table, she'd put one on the front step. And uh, the other day I had a notification that said that a package had arrived and I went out to the porch and I couldn't find it. And then I looked under the tree and the, uh, the Amazon driver is now, he's now putting our packages <laughs> under the tree. <laughs> so you've got a little tree so on your front fun. step and they're putting packages under the tree. I think that's beautiful. They put packages under them. I yeah. love coming home. I said, is there anything under the tree? Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you got to take little oh, simple pleasures in life, don't you? Uh, my favorite ones. I, I don't need much. Just some turkey and some packages under the tree on the porch. <laughs> <laughs> and have you uh, done any of your shopping for the kids this year? Yeah, I've, 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 no, I haven't. Um, and I'm just going to kind of hope that my wife gets it all taken care of without me knowing. <laughs> Yeah, they're they're at that age where they're they're kind of difficult to buy for. Yeah, you know it's it's often you know they say things like I'd like a savings bond. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, they never say that, do they? No, they don't ever say things like that. But uh, my my son this year says I just you know a pile of money, so I can decide what I want to buy. Yeah, I have no idea what. He, Did he use he, the word know, pile? So. He uh, he used something like that. It was it was a like heap, a pile, a I like whole bunch. That. I like his attitude. <laughs> yeah, my daughter just wants another guitar. She got her first guitar last Christmas. She now has three guitars. Huh. She's frighteningly talented at it. I, I am so jealous. I just I see how she's you know, she'll she'll come out and she'll say, "I've been working on that song for like 
two hours. <laughs> and she's I said, well, I'm learning how to play Twinkle Twinkle Little Star for yeah. year 20 on the banjo. Oh. So <laughs> That's the, almost there. the plasticity of the young brain. All right, Patrick, thanks. Have a great yep. rest of the day. Thank you. All right, we'll take a break. Too, we'll thanks. come back Monday afternoon mix with special guest. We'll be right back. Should it be me? It's time. It's time for the Monday afternoon mix. Mix, 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 mix it up. Here we are, and we've got a special guest. We're going to bring him on at any time. We don't know when. Could, yeah, it could be now. Could be now. It could, it be, could, now. It could be a minute from now. It, we don't know yet. Could be, it could be right like, now. Like, oh, no, 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 oh, he, oh, he steps oh, in. You never oh, jump in without an introduction. <laughs> oh my goodness, he, he is in the place. Yes. So, I like David, it. I am super delighted and super just thrilled today to introduce to our listening family, uh, Pastor Kyle Davison Baird. He is the uh, Pastor of Prayer Ministries at New Hope Church in New Hope, Minnesota, and a dear brother and, and colleague in the Lord, and uh, and astute mind, theologian's mind, and apologist, and um, writes and loves to engage with people who are seeking out faith, people who are skeptic to faith. He writes on Medium and Quora and a lot of different other places, has quite a bit of following, and, um, you know, asked him because he finished just working on a book on Christmas, and it's this beautiful time of year to discuss the truth of the faith that we have in Jesus Christ. So, Kyle, so glad to have you with us today. Thank you. Delighted to be here. Super cool. And you're, tell us a little bit about your family. Well, I have an amazing wife, Cassie. We have three little boys, Ira, Talis, and Ezra. They are six, four, and one, which means I have not slept in seven years. Nice. But it's good. I love coffee, so it works out. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, Kyle, is the name of your book uh, The Quest for Christmas? Yes, The Quest for Christmas, Examining the Evidence for Belief. Yes, so we are at a time when people are doing just that. They're examining what it is exactly I believe. Mm-hmm. And the magnifying glass always ends up on people's lives because things get bigger at holidays, don't they? They do. Christmas is one of those amazing holidays where you really stop and pause and examine life. You do. There's so you've something... come at the right moment. Yes. There's something about Christmas that always makes us wonder you know, what to believe. You know, it's a common theme in all the Christmas movies. What's the meaning of Christmas? Yeah. Everybody's thinking about it. Yeah, and Kyle, what's your work in prayer ministries? You work with families and counseling and just like, you know, working for people just experience healing in their life and, and getting a proper view of Christ. And one of the things here at the Monday Afternoon Mix, we're really big into just Christ being lifted up, discipleship, encouraging people, letting them know the greatness of our faith in Jesus Christ and that it's a message worthy to be shared. So this quest for Christmas, can you tell us what are some of the evidences for Christmas and some of the questions that people are asking? Yeah, well, let me start with the question. Um, The way I started in the book is just by asking, why should we believe in Christmas? You know, if you grow up in the church, you be you believe the Christmas story almost by default. You just, you're immersed in it. You, you almost believe it without question. But 
imagine you invite you know your neighbor who is an atheist or a different religion to church on Christmas Eve. They walk in the door, they sit down, they hear the story for the very first time, and on its surface, it has a lot of seemingly incredible details. You know, you have a star flitting about the sky, you have a virgin giving birth, you have you know rich wise men coming giving treasures to a peasant family. Like, why should someone consider the story worthy of their belief? Um, and so that's kind of the question that launches the book. And then the book marches through 14 different challenges to the story of Christmas, uh, most of them launched by people who do not themselves believe in the Christmas story. But that's what I love. I love the hard questions. Uh, I think a good hard question is like fire. And the harder the question, the hotter the fire. You know, if you put pure gold in a fire, uh, it's not afraid. The hotter the fire just reveals the purity of the gold within it. And it's the same with a hot challenge. If you're challenging the truth, the hotter the challenge, the more beautiful the truth is when it emerges unscathed. And so one of the first challenges in the book, um, and one of the ones that I hear so often from people, is when you compare Matthew and Luke, those are the two Gospels that have a Christmas story in them. Mm-hmm. You compare them side by side, and they're almost completely different. Yet they tell almost completely different stories, which leads a lot of people to conclude that they are conflicting or contradictory stories. You know, if I have to pick and choose between which one, how do I know which one is real? You know, how could I trust the Bible if the two stories talking about Jesus' birth don't agree with each other? You know, that's the challenge. And in the first um, chapter two of the book, I, I kind of go through this because uh, the beauty of the scriptures, when you get right down to it, is that all the details lay out just perfectly. You lay them out chronologically, what happens first, what happens second. You just take the story as it comes. You lay all the details next to each other, and they just flow perfectly. All the differences between Matthew and Luke fit together hand in glove. I mean, mm. they, they reinforce each other. They complement each other. Um, and so if you read it in chapter two of the book, I just put all the verses, you know, back to back to back so you can read it as one seamless story. And it really is a sign of the divine hand at work that you can take these two authors with two very different audiences, two very different approaches to the story, with two very different sources, and yet their stories combine just seamlessly. It's exactly what you would expect if both of them were trying to record uh, the matter as accurately as possible. They were both trying to record the truth because the truth just demonstrates it like that. The two accounts emerge as one. Well, Kyle, you know, one of the things, and Bill, help me with this. I'm trying to remember how many, like, prophecies are made about Jesus in the Old Testament. And uh, was it 300? 300 plus, I 300 think. 300 plus mm-hmm. or something, and that they come to bear. And I'm I'm not a math person. Like, my kids were way smarter in math than me, like, like really early on. <laughs> it was like, Daddy, can you help me with this? Like, <laughs> Maybe. No. <laughs> um, but, like, the statistical probabilities, Kyle, of of that many, you know, writers, different writers of the Old Testament over hundreds, thousands of years Mm -hmm. and giving, you know, a prophecy about the Christ. And it's like what Paul writes in Galatians 4, that just at the right time, uh, God sent his son born of a woman into the world to redeem those under the law. And at the exact time that Jesus comes, it's this unbelievable, you know, connecting of events of of, you know, roadways and, you know, Koine Greek being the lingua franca, the common language and all those different things. So speak to that. Yeah, well, you're exactly right. There are um, hundreds of prophecies feeding into Christmas. Um, It's actually one of the challenges that um, a lot of people lay out against the Christmas story because the prophecies are so direct. You can read through Isaiah uh, 53 and it's almost a fifth gospel, some people call it, because of how precisely it prophesies the things about Christ. 
but then the detractors from Christianity have to find a way around it. And so they'll say things like these prophecies were not meant for Jesus. But when you, when you read them, when you get right behind them, there's no other option. I mean, they are so precise. They are so precisely detailed and fulfilled in the life of Christ. If you're just honest about what's in the text, uh, these prophecies really do prove that it's worthy of your belief. Hmm. I like that. This is uh, it's good. When we talk about prophecies, I think they, at one point a mathematician said if you take just five prophecies and say, what are the odds of those five coming to truth? Mm-hmm. And I think the number was like one with 27 zeros. 27? 27 zeros, yeah. That's a lot of zeros. There's a lot of zeros. <laughs> so the odds are like not very good. You know? Yeah. I believe they said if you cover, if you took just eight prophecies, the odds of those eight being fulfilled by any person randomly would be the same as covering the state of Texas two feet deep with uh, silver dollar coins, yeah. marking one of those coins, burying it someplace in Texas, and then having somebody else just randomly go in and pick exactly the right one. I like my illustration better. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> you're, you're, the host. <laughs> no. you're the host. You're the host, No, I love that. That's it, It's amazing. I think you put a blindfold on the person, too. I've, yes. Yeah. I've heard something like that. And you let him loose in Texas, mm-hmm. and he gets to pick one coin. Yeah. And then what are the odds that that coin, knee-deep in Morgan silver dollars, would be the one that's got the X on it? Exactly. You know, guys, this is something that's just so, at times, fascinating. And, and I think people, as they're listening to this, really should take, take heart of the faithfulness of the message. That, you know, when Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, he goes, I delivered to that of first importance, you know, about who Christ was according to the Scriptures. And, you know, like... People don't seem to doubt that Homer, you know, mm-hmm. the, the Greek writer wrote the Iliad. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, we learn that there's only like about eight, pardon me, eight extant. And that means like existing manuscripts on Homer's Iliad. And no one like doubts that. And there's like 5,000 plus about Jesus. And people are like, hmm, let me see. Is Jesus really... Mm-hmm. But Homer, they're just like, oh, yeah, we got eight, and, and yeah, we completely go with Homer and everything, Iliad, Odyssey, and all those different things. And it's really kind of like wonky, like backwards. It's almost like this overwhelming evidence of who Jesus is. And and so, like, folks, we don't need to be, like, walking into Christmas uh, with trepidation. I mean, like, who Jesus is, the Son of God, is so very real and true. And actually, one of the biggest you know, testimonies it is, is in the changed life of people. You know, mm-hmm. people who say, I, you know what, I used to, I used to go places, I don't go there anymore. I used to talk this way, I don't talk that way, I used to think this way, I used to speak this way, you know, I used to treat people this way, you know, and you find like bad, bad Leroy Brown, all of a sudden he becomes the gentlest person and people are like, what in the world happened? And it's about this first century baby named Jesus born into the world. Well said. I want to remind you that you were listening to the Monday Afternoon Mix with Pastor David Miles, and we have a special guest, Pastor Kyle Davison Barr. Bear. 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 Yeah. I, like I, I figured I would say like that a bear. Bear. Rawr. But it's B-A-I-R. And yeah. he's got a brand new book called The Quest for Christmas, Examining the Evidence for Belief. I love the side-by-side gospel illustration. I just love the seeming of those two together. This is a really interesting topic. Yeah, it's helpful to hear that because sometimes people will hear someone say to them, well, like, why can you believe the Bible? There's so many contradictions. And one of the things I've often found interesting is when people's like, there's contradictions, and you ask them, have you read it? Well, no. <laughs> but there's contradictions. Well, where did you hear that? Well, have you read that? But, well, no. 
And so, Kyle, it's super helpful that you're laying this out. So, yeah. so what are one or the other? Well, let me answer, follow yeah. up on that contradiction bit. Uh, like you say, there are a lot of charges for it, but when you get into the evidence behind it, I actually find that those charges of contradiction uh, end up verifying the account uh, in even greater detail. And one example from the Christmas story I'll give you, um, you know, Luke says that after Jesus is uh, dedicated at the temple, Mary and Joseph return to Nazareth. Matthew says that after the wise men visit, they head to Egypt. On the surface, that seems like a contradiction. It seems like they're saying, you know, the Holy Family went in two different directions. Um, but when you study the culture and what has to, what's going on in that world, it all fits together perfectly. Because um, Luke says that they go back to Nazareth um, about 32 days after Jesus is born. And uh, when Matthew says that the wise men came to visit, uh, actually, it doesn't say they came to visit the night Jesus was born. Uh, Matthew says after Jesus was born, wise men came from the east. Hmm. And they actually found Jesus as a toddler, a paideon in the Greek, uh, not a, a newborn baby. So uh, when you lay those details next to each other, the picture that seems to emerge is that they go back to Nazareth, uh, but life there was intolerable because everyone in Nazareth thought Mary had slept around. You know, Joseph had to go get her under cover of night. There wasn't a wedding. Everyone thought, you know, even Joseph himself thought that she had been unfaithful until the angel told him. So they go back. Uh, undoubtedly, they feel the shame of that. And it wouldn't be hard to compare the shame in Nazareth to the celebration in Bethlehem. Remember, the shepherds welcomed them there. The whole town loved having them there. Joseph had family history there. So it seems that after living for a bit in the shame of Nazareth, they decided to move back permanently to Bethlehem. And while they're there, when Jesus is a pideon, a, a toddler, you know, probably a little over one year old, that's when the wise men come. They give the gifts. Herod starts to kill every child two years and under based on the time he learned from the wise men. So again, two years and under, toddler, not, not infant. Um, that's when they head off to Egypt. So you put those details side by side, you press them into the culture, and you see the whole story just cohering perfectly. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that's fascinating is the study of Herod's family. You know, Herod the Great, Herod Antipas, and the ways in which Herod, like, he whacked his own mother-in-law. <laughs> he killed his—I mean, like, Herod, seriously, dude, like, he was, like, the biggest loser. Like, on, on, like he, he misses out. And then, like, what's so scary about Herod's story is later on— his son ends up missing out on Jesus. And then when Felix's uh, wife is Her Herodias, it's Herod's great-granddaughter in Acts 26, they end up missing out on Jesus when Paul's trying to tell him about it. But then when you go back and study the history of Herod in line with all the things going on with Rome and the emperors and how they set up things, it's amazingly just so historical on how all those things fit historically with the things that are going on in the, in the, the Roman culture with all the different emperors with you know, a Caesar and all these different things that are happening at that time. And then when Herod dies for Jesus and Mary and Joseph to come back. All right. We'll take a little break. You're listening to the Monday afternoon mix with Pastor David Miles and Rosie B. Special guest today here in studio is Pastor Kyle Davison Bear. He is from New Hope Church and charge the prayer ministries pastor. And he's got a brand new book called The Quest for Christmas, Examining the Evidence for Belief. And we're just glad to have him here. Be right back. We want to pray for you. We all need prayer. 
We would love to pray for you. The Faith Radio team is serious about prayer, and we pray for specific listener requests every week. Share your prayer request with us anonymously and securely on our website at myfaithradio.com. Mix time. It's Monday mix time, Monday afternoon mix. Pastor mix, David mix, mix, Miles, mix, Rosie mix. B., very special guest here in studio with us. We're so glad to have Pastor Kyle Davison Bear. And he's written a book called The Quest for Christmas Examining the Evidence for Belief. And Kyle, you did such a beautiful job of talking about um, the, the two gospel accounts and how they appear different, but mm-hmm. you knit them together and they're one perfect story, right? They are, yeah. But what happens when people say, it sounds to me like there is a contradiction. And now we know in our heart, it only seems like there is one because there are no contradictions in Scripture, (laughs) even though they're ones that feel like it. What do we do when we feel like there's a contradiction? Press into it. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Stop taking calls. We've got a winner. (laughs) No, I just, uh, I love hard questions and inspiring. In particular, I love those challenges of contradiction because there's always a something to discover there, some bit of truth that just knits the two together or some bit of context that puts them right side by side. And um, there was an infographic a few years ago that had, you know, hundreds of contradictions and it made this, you know, amazing, compelling, you know, and if you look at it, you just think 600 contradictions in the Bible, how could I believe that? But then you start pressing through each one and you start discovering, well, that actually makes sense. Those actually work together. You know, those are different, but they actually they complement each other. They don't contradict with each other. Mm-hmm. Too quick. Um, we're, we're tempted to take differences and too quickly assume that they contradict, mm. but press into them. You know, dig into the evidence. Dig into the How research How do we do that? It. How do we do that? How do we reconcile some of those things if we're not a pastor? But we're living in the internet age, so we have an abundance of tools at our disposal. Um, you, you know, Google, believe it or not, is the theologian's best friend right now. Okay. You know, type in the contradiction, type in the verses, and just see what comes up. Uh, you know, search for the resolution, search for the history behind it, search for the culturally the cultural details that feed into it. You'll find more evidence than uh, than you'll have time to go through. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit more about some of the uh, spectacular evidence uh, of Christmas and why we believe around Christmas time. Because a lot of people they reexamine their faith, they they have conversations with family, like, "Are you going to come into church with us?" Mm-hmm. And they're going, oh, I don't know. You know, they're trying to decide if they're even going to go to church, right? Yeah. So we've got a lot of awkward conversations ahead. And <laughs> and a lot of people are going, yeah, what do I believe? So right. I love awkward conversations. They're my favorite. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, we started <laughs> take with Kyle one. Home with your, <laughs> take Kyle home with you for Christmas. <laughs> well, let me connect that with our talk before of prophecies. Um, one of the charges against Christmas that's all often laid is that Christmas is a Christian holiday. It's not a Jewish holiday. It's not an Old Testament holiday. It's something that, you know, Christianity split off from, you know, and so there, some people charge that, that it's not really worthy of belief because it's unique to Christianity. It's kind of invented. Some people even say it's pagan influenced. Um, but if Christianity is real, if the Bible is true, it should flow straight from what the Old Testament says. And in fact, when you press into the details, it does. Um, let me just go back to Isaiah again. Uh, Isaiah nine, you know, one of the one of the most famous uh, songs that you'll hear sung at Christmas time. You know, wonderful Counselor, uh, mm-hmm. Almighty God, or the Everlasting Father. The prophecy there 
is that unto us a child will be born who will bear these names. So we know this is pointing to Jesus now because of growing up in church. But think, you know, again, if you're hearing this for the first time, who would you expect this prophecy to be talking about? It's saying a child is born. So this will be a human person. It will be born, you know, of a woman like people are, and yet will bear the name Wonderful Counselor, Almighty God, Everlasting Father. Wow. So already in that prophecy, you should have to start reconciling the fact that this is a human child who can nonetheless be called Almighty God, Everlasting Father. And so all those who, you know, who claim that Christians invented the idea of Jesus being God, well, it's, it's right back there in the text. It's right back there in the prophecy made 700 years before Jesus was even born, that this child born to us will be Everlasting Father, Almighty God. He will bear these names. And in the Christmas story, uh, this is brought out in a way that often we miss because we're reading a translation instead of the original language. When the angel comes to Joseph... And he says, you shall name this child Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That almost rolls past us, but the name Jesus means God saves. So think about that. Name this child God saves, for he, this child, will save. He's not just saying name this child God saves because God is a good saving God, you know, and we all love to worship him. No, name this child God saves because this child is the one who will save. Mm. Right there you have the angel saying directly, this child is God. He is your savior. He is not just a prophet. He is not just a man. He is God come in the flesh. He is Emmanuel, God with us. And I think the beauty too happens as, um, you know, you close out Malachi and it's talking about Elijah. And that's like John the Baptist. And when John the Baptist first sees Jesus, he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Like he's like, this is the one who's come to save us. And so that's incredibly um, good news. It is. That's the biggest understatement I've heard all day. <laughs> I know. I'm that. serious. I'm like, okay, it's 454 understatement level, really high. <laughs> yeah. Sky it's, high. It's sky high. Yeah. It's the best news. It's it the best news. And, you know, uh, Pastor Kyle, I'm so thankful that you're here because what you're speaking into, into my heart, and I'm sure our listeners' hearts, too, is the courage to go and research what we know Absolutely. already and what we believe because we're in a current culture where you have to know critically what you have. Um, you have to be able to critically think. Yes. And this is just a beautiful invitation to go back into the story, not as a fairy tale, mm-hmm. but with such meat and such provision by God that thousands of years ahead of time in writings that made through time, we have this beautiful picture of Christ so that we can stand in this time yeah. on his truth and the salvation of his name. What Absolutely. a beautiful gift. And that's how um, Luke, again, is one of the two gospel accounts who talks about Jesus, and that's exactly where he begins. In the first four verses, he tells you why he's writing this. And he says, you know, I'm writing this so that you can have certainty about the things you've been taught, so that you can have certainty. He doesn't say, you know, just have blind faith, just trust me on this. He says, no, I'm going to consult the eyewitnesses. I'm going to write an orderly account, put everything in order so that you can have certainty about the things that you believe. That's our goal. And it's a very worthy biblical goal. It's a beautiful invitation. We don't have to walk around afraid of somebody asking us this question. We have this 
beautiful invitation, as you said, with the internet as well, that can be substantiated scripturally. Well, one of the neat things here is that God lays out this masterful, you know, legal case, this evidentiary case before us. You know, I have a friend of mine who's um, going to be, he's scheduled to be on jury duty. You know, and what is that? You you stand and what they come in and, you know, the two sides present their arguments. And what do they call? They call witnesses to bear witness to the fact of the things that have gone on. And there's this old theologian, a guy named Arnold Toybee, and he said this, if you find the body of that dead Jew, Christianity crumbles to its foundations, but no one's found him. And here's the thing, guys, there are people who love Jesus, adore Jesus, are searching out Jesus, those who actually hate Christianity, And for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, all of these various people have been in pursuit of finding out who this person is, and his testimony still stands firm. Well said, David Miles. So, um, Kyle, we just have, let's see, less than a minute left. Can you give us one more tease from your book and why we want to get our hands on it? Well, when you start looking for it, you find the teases for Christmas all throughout the Old Testament, even going back to the first chapter. Uh, Some people say, you know, again, their argument against Jesus is how could God take on flesh? How could God become a man? But you read Genesis 1, when God created humanity, he created us in his image. The image that Jesus takes on, the image that Jesus appears in, is the same image he made us in. This is a God who does not change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when Jesus appears in human form, he's showing us the form after which humanity was created. In his image, male and female, God created us. So can God come down in the flesh? Can God be born as a baby? Well, of course. Mm-hmm. I like it. Well, that's sweet, man. Yeah. David, hey, Rosie, this has been a great episode of Monday Afternoon Mix, and I have to say it's ending too soon. Well, actually, Kyle's going to join us next week. Yay. Yay. Because it's Christmas, and I think... We really need to be sharing the story. I mean, like, guys, it's such a time that people need Jesus. They so need Jesus. So Let's be equipped and ready to do it. So I'll look forward to having you back. Pastor Kyle Davison-Bear has been our guest on the Monday Afternoon Mix. So we can check that off his bucket list. And we will see him next week. And we will take a break. And when we come back, Dr. Rebecca Ree is going to join us. We've got a very special hour with her. Be right back. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.